Welcome to the Mission Advancement Podcast, where we attempt to address the stigmas around nonprofit fundraising through the lens of the power of relationships. Your mission is worth advancing, and we're here to help you fund your mission for good. Hey there, welcome back. Um, It's Lacey, and I'm joined again with Jennifer Lehman. Hey, Jennifer. Hello. Glad to be back. Yes, thanks so much. Um, As you guys know, this is a two-parter talking about why does... um, philanthropic data matter. So if you haven't listened to part one, go listen to part one. Um, It'll help understand kind of the data that we're going to dive into today. But, you know, just to give a a, a small little recap of why does it even matter? You know, I think, Jennifer, you mentioned this, that, you know, Giving USA, you know, puts out their information, but there's other sources, right, that's going to give us information. And it's good to look at it because it's going to show us trends. It's going to show us how people are giving, um, but it's not the only thing. And so while, you know, we want to know what the giving tells us, how it can inform our work, we still want to make sure that we're looking at who those people are, and most of them are individuals, right? That's right. And so, again, going back to relationship-based fundraising and, you know, the best practices that we teach day in and day out is to know your donors. So the data is helpful. Um, we want to dive into it a little bit more now. So, so what we're going to be looking at is the 2022 data that came out in the summer of 2023. Correct. Right? So you know, let's all reorient ourselves back to 2022, what was happening, right? We'd had this crazy spike from COVID um, giving that you talked about a little bit on the last episode, but let's dive in. What what are some points of interest from that data that we want to dive into today and talk about? Sure. Yeah. So the 2022 report, which again was released in June of 23, was in a lot of people's minds, um, a the sky is falling. Mm. You know, there was the headlines, even in our own industry, which quite frankly drive me crazy, <laughs> um, were that giving is down and the trends are negative mm-hmm. and, oh, the economy looks bad and we knew this was coming and here we go. So, um, yes, there were there was a decrease in giving overall. It, it's important, though, to look at it in a couple of different lights. So, First of all, there's current dollars versus inflation-adjusted dollars, mm. and I don't think it's a surprise to anyone that the inflation rate utilized for 2022 was very large, right. and that makes a difference. That, Absolutely. You know, so about 3% in current dollars, which is relatively flat, was the decrease, but in inflation-adjusted, um, it was closer to 10. However, I think it's important for everybody to realize that when the data comes out, there are a lot of assumptions being made, and it's not complete. So it could stay very close to where it is, but it takes a couple of years for all of the numbers from 2022, in this case, to be finalized, and they will publish a final report with any corrections. Oh, okay. That's good so, to yeah, it's kind of a little-known fact, I think, that um, the data actually trails for a couple of years before it's finalized, and um, there have been years when corrections have been, you know, somewhat substantial and meaningful. So it, it's interesting to go back and keep up with, you know, how the numbers actually materialize when they're final and um, all the data is complete. So, so it, there was a decrease, but I think it's it's interesting um, coming out of a, as you suggested, a spike year. Mm-hmm. Just like in the stock market or something else, mm-hmm. when we see spikes, we expect corrections. So 2022, I think from our standpoint, certainly watching philanthropy closely, 
um, felt like the first post-pandemic year right? when it came to how businesses functioned and kind of the world functioning more normally. Uh, special events came back, you know, people were back in the office, nonprofits were functioning in a much more normal cycle than they did in 2020 and in 2021. Mm-hmm. So as a result, you know, the some slight decreases in participation and in some giving in certain sectors um, were not a surprise mm-hmm. to us because I think we had some really big years um, in those sectors that were not sustainable, quite frankly. Okay. So that's one interesting piece. I think another interesting is a sector like international affairs had mm-hmm. an increase. Okay. Well, what was happening in 2022, the war in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. So again, just another, like, yeah. you got to look at current events. You got to look at what's happening in the world Absolutely. that affects spikes or decreases in any particular sector. You know, in the 2020 and 2021 data, human service did amazing. Right. Well, the arts really struggled. Mm-hmm. Well, the arts they weren't able to function, right? Yeah. They weren't having performances, theaters were closed, mm-hmm. all of those things. And so not a surprise that during that period of time, you know, philanthropy did decrease in those sectors while it spiked big time in something like human service. So mm-hmm. I just think it's important that we um, recognize world events that affect philanthropy, whether it's in our country or on the international scale, because it does shift the numbers and those numbers will likely shift back. Yeah. So, you know, those are a couple of interesting data points in sector. I think the other really interesting trend that we're seeing is how donors are giving. Okay. And, you know, Giving USA in particular, I'm not an expert and I don't want to sound critical, but I don't know that the data being captured is truly reflective of how donors are utilizing vehicles like donor-advised funds. Right. This is huge right now. This is huge. And so we call them DAFs, Mm -hmm. right? But donor-advised funds are an enormously growing giving vehicle for many donors. And they used to be sort of reserved for the Mm uber-wealthy. And donor-advised funds were typically used when someone had a large liquidation event with millions, maybe tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars as a way for them to put it into a fund specifically for philanthropy that they would then dole out on their own timeline. Well, today, um, the average donor can set up a donor-advised fund. Right. Um, I know some that have thresholds as low as 25000 There may be some lower than that. I'm not sure, mm-hmm. but there is a huge surge in average donors um, using a vehicle like that for Mm -hmm. their philanthropy. So my understanding of the data at this point is that when I give to a donor advised fund, that is showing up in the data as a gift to a certain Mm -hmm. sector. Now it depends on the kind of DAF you have. And this is another, you know, complication in the data but um, some are community foundations, Mm -hmm. some are held with financial institutions. And when I make a gift to my DAF, if it's held with a financial institution, that is showing up as a gift to public society benefit. Okay. What happens to it when I give to an organization? Mm. Not sure where that's showing up in the data. Right. Um, We can't count it twice. Right, exactly. But those of us who use donor-advised funds know exactly how that works. Mm -hmm. 
And is my gift to my donor advised fund being counted as public society benefit, as a gift to a foundation? And then when I make a gift to my local nonprofit, is it showing up in the data as a mm. gift to human service or education or the arts, whatever that might yeah, that be? Yeah, that can be really confusing. So that's a that's a nuance in giving today that I don't know that the different studies and people out there looking at it are capturing in a way that we can truly understand. Mm -hmm. So I just think it's important to recognize that People are smarter. Mm -hmm. Tax laws change. Right, giving, new giving vehicles are available. Mm -hmm. And donors are giving through different methods for different reasons, which may make us want to look twice right. at exactly what the data is telling us. Yeah. When so. we talked about this a little bit on the last episode of, you know, they may say, oh, individuals is just a small piece of that pie chart. But, you know, if it's someone who is historically always given through writing a check, right? Or even if they were giving through, say, a stock option, um, and then they set up a DAF, even if, like you just said, if it's for $25,000 or, or a little bit more, now they're in a different category. And so people may even think, oh man, our giving is down. Just say you did your own part pie chart for your organization. Mm -hmm. We've got a lot more foundations giving to us. Well, no, you've got a lot more family foundations giving to you. That's right. And it's not necessarily you're writing grants. People are giving differently. And so I think that's where people can get confused to say, oh, foundations are going to be where we're going to get a lot of gifts from. Right. But that doesn't mean you're writing grant applications to all those people. People are just giving, individuals are giving through those foundations. That's right. And I think, you know, I don't have, you know, specific numbers on this, but I can imagine just based on how the world has worked the last few years that there have been a lot of people setting up family foundations since the late teens. Mm -hmm. Um, liquidation events, yep. people selling companies. I mean, we all watched people retire yep. in 2020 and 2021, and that's a very common event for somebody to set up a family foundation or set up a large donor-advised fund. So I'm sure later on we'll get better mm -hmm. data on those trends, but I think it stands to reason that the world changed so much mm -hmm. and people took advantage of the different vehicles out there and and ways to put their money um, mm -hmm. into a pot that they could be generous with over time. And it's not showing up in our data, maybe in the traditional way mm -hmm. that we're used to. So, right. so you're right. When, when we kind of aggregated the data from 2022, um, our finding is that about 85, 86% of giving decisions are made by individuals. Mm -hmm. exactly. And that's combining the individual category, the bequest category, and the piece of the foundation category, which you can go in and dissect right. and separate out family foundations from more formal, formal. traditional okay. uh, foundations. Okay, now that's really helpful. Okay, well, let's dive in a little bit more to look at what is the difference in the data and compare 2022 to 2019. So we're not yes. looking at apples to apples from you know year over year, but we're looking at, let's look at really what the trends were, take out those spike years, and say, what does it look like to look back at 2019? What's changed? Yeah. So this is super interesting, and I'm grateful to our team um, for looking at this for me and with me because, you know, I've been kind of sitting with this theory that the spike that we saw in 2020 and 2021 was due for a correction. And yes, there are some trends that I think are important for us to be paying attention to in terms of donor participation and some decreases in behavior. 
But the, the facts are that from 2019 to 2022, overall giving was essentially flat, less than 1% difference. Um, so almost no change if you go back and look at the overall numbers for 2019. Okay. Um, there were a couple of changes when it comes to sector. Human service was up almost 8% between 2019 and 2022. So that's interesting mm -hmm. because there was such a spike in human service. Is that sustainable? You know, is human service still due for a correction? I don't know, but but that sector in particular um, has seen pretty significant growth since 2019. So even a, a decrease that we may have seen year over year is still an increase from pre-pandemic. Mm. Um, Another kind of interesting trend, of course, is the foundation piece, which we talked about, you know, found the number of foundations and giving from foundations has grown substantially since 2019. So again, just kind of supports um, the different vehicles available to people and, and how people are putting their money into different, um, different things that are now available to them um, at different levels. Okay. So I think another, you know, kind of interesting data point to be aware of is what giving USA uh, terms mega gifts. Oh yeah. Talk to me a little bit more about that. Yeah. So that's a, you know, we all kind of hear on the news, the McKinsey Scott kind of things, right? Everybody's right. applying for that money. Warren Buffett makes big moves. Mm -hmm. You know, there are others in that category that do big things that are counted in the data. Right. And as you and I both know, like those are kind of one-time big things. Absolutely. It certainly aren't sustainable and certainly aren't a trend among a large group of donors. Mm -hmm. So you can dig in and, and learn about mega gifts and like over a hundred percent increase in some of that activity since 2019. So I think the question we should be asking is, well, how does that affect any of the numbers? Mm -hmm. um, does that make, is that an outlier that we should consider? Mm -hmm. So it just kind of goes back to what we talked about last time, which is the very, very long-term trend mm -hmm. of types of donors, um, segments that receive different amounts of giving. If you go back to pre-pandemic and look at 2022, you'll see that things feel very normal, mm. um, either a little flat, a little up in some categories, slightly down in others, but certainly not any significant trend um, one way or another. So I think it's just, it's good for us to go back all the way and look at the, the broader kind of bar chart, mm -hmm. um, that kind of gives you that 40 plus year picture. And that is what kind of the tried and true data should tell us, even when we have these events and things around the world that create spikes in a particular year or even a period of years, um, that we kind of still have this um, very similar structure of types of donors, types of decisions, um, types of organizations receiving those gifts. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a question that I know we've each received from either a client or a board member that says, oh my gosh, I read this article at this Giving USA data came out this summer and we're doomed. What What can you tell? And and briefly, right? I mean, I know yeah. if you have more questions, please reach out to us. We'd love to talk to you Um a lot more about this, but what would you tell a DOD or a CEO that's like, hey, my board members are terrified and I need to give an update in my next board meeting. Yeah. The year's coming to a close. People are scared. What do I say? Because this article came out and it was doomsday-ish. So what's like one piece of advice you would give? Yeah. Well, I would say, you know, two things. First of all, 
go back and look at the historical. There's some really good infographics that are available to everyone through the Giving USA, which is the longer term data collection, and show them the, the trends mm-hmm. over 40 years. Talk about what happened in 9-11. Uh, mm-hmm. um, look at what happened in 08, 09, yeah. and the correction that came out of that. Right. Or even go back further. Yeah, to absolutely, to, yeah, the 80s, to the 80s. And those yeah. of us who were around in that time, you know, board members will remember right. those, those periods. So, so again, I said this on the last episode, but be the expert in the organization. Absolutely. And, and be the teacher mm-hmm. of the longer-term picture of mm-hmm. philanthropy, not the one one data point or one headline that, you know, may scare people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's one piece. I think, you know, the other is if your mission is urgent mm. and important, then it's irresponsible not to continue fundraising and doing what you do every day. Absolutely. And that's something we've taught from, from day one. Um, I mean, if you can literally say, well, our mission doesn't matter right now, then okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe there's a slowdown <laughs> in fundraising. I don't think any of us really feel that way, Mm-mm. certainly leading an organization. And that's what donors think too. You know, if, if, you're, if your mission matters, you have to continue. Mm-hmm. And whether people can give, will give, circumstances have changed, that's going to happen no matter what right. is happening Any in the world. Yeah. But if you don't stay in front of donors, telling your story, keeping them apprised, of how your organization is shifting, changing, growing, then you sure, certainly shouldn't expect you know giving to increase. Right. Um, so you know we tell organizations all the time if you're not asking, someone else is. Absolutely. That's and um, and you can't let a scary headline change your passion mm-hmm. for what you do every day, the people you serve, the community that you serve. That's the story you've got to be mm-hmm. telling and connecting with donors who do resonate whether they are giving in big ways today or Mm -hmm. not, um, they may be your big donors three years from now. Right. Yeah, that's so great. Um, Well, thank you so much, Jennifer. I'm so excited that we got to dive into this a little bit more. Um, As you guys know, we typically put out some more information. Jennifer will do a little bit of a deeper dive into the data. So look for that coming from us. Um, If you have more questions about data, about what this means for philanthropy, what you should be looking at, what maybe you shouldn't be so scared of, or if you need help, answering those questions to your board members, reach out to us. We love talking about this. Um, We are here for you. But what you just said, Jennifer, and I want you to say it one more time, um, about if their mission matters. So let's end with that. Let's end with that, yes. And I agree. I'll just echo Lacey. We love teaching this. I love teaching this. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes having another voice in the room is helpful, and just us saying it from an outside perspective is helpful to you as a professional. So... Um, we'd love to help you do that if we can. But um, yeah, it, it all comes back to, does, is your mission critical? Mm. Does it matter in your community? Are you making a difference? And if you are, then you need to be telling your story, communicating with your donors, keeping them close, keeping them apprised, and letting their giving decisions um, happen with you in the right way over time in a very natural and relational way whether circumstances are perfect or not, if they love you, they're going to support you in whatever way they can. That's perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Jennifer. Thanks. See you next time. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Mission Advancement Podcast. Be sure to check out our website at missionadvancement.com for additional content. And never forget that your hard work in nonprofit is changing lives every day. Keep funding your missions for good. 
We'll see you next time. Does your nonprofit organization have a capital project on the horizon? If so, Mission Advancement offers a comprehensive planning study service that is designed to take a lot of the guesswork out of the equation for you as a nonprofit leader. Do your constituents embrace your vision? Is there philanthropic support for your project? Is the time right for a capital campaign? A Mission Advancement Planning Study will help you find the answers to these questions and more to help you make the best possible decisions on behalf of your organization and provide you with the information you need to move forward with confidence. To learn more about Mission Advancement's Planning Study service, please visit our website at missionadvancement.com.